you know, someday you're going to appreciate that I gave birth to you. Yeah. And my seed made you look this good. And it did. And one day you're going to appreciate that you're going to start the music in three, two, one, go. This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, the Monty Show is live on YouTube and in your podcasts. How the heck are you? We have got a lot of Utah Jazz to talk about today. From Utah Jazz trades to Utah Jazz uniforms. Lots of Utah Jazz today. We've got to talk about Kyle Whittingham at the University of Utah. Big money day for Kyle Whittingham. We'll give you the latest details on that. And what are the interesting kickers financially at the University of Utah for Kyle Whittingham. We'll talk all about that coming up on the show. Chakra Bra will be on the show today. My wife mocked me yesterday for wanting to rub my toes for energy. Whoa. Um, and a disastrous day yesterday for the Audi SQ5. Disaster strikes the Audi SQ5. Really difficult day. Yeah. Really difficult day. But without further ado... Let's talk Utah Jazz basketball here on the Monty Show. After you hit subscribe, uh, after you give us a like and a thumbs up, please, if you're here right now, hit the thumbs up button. It really does help the show grow. Uh, we are giving away a PlayStation 5. We're just about 300 subscribers away from doing that. All you have to do is hit subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. If you happen to leave a comment saying you did so, that would be Narbra. Uh, but we appreciate every one of you being here. <sighs> And the Utah Jazz are trying to make a trade with the Atlanta Hawks. And there seems to be one tipping point when it comes to the Utah Jazz being able to execute this trade with the Atlanta Hawks. And that is Kevin Herter versus DeAndre Hunter. And the Utah Jazz are pretty adamant that if they're going to trade Rudy Gobert and another player, that they have got to get DeAndre Hunter in return wearing a Utah Jazz uniform to make this trade happen. And I think it's absolutely the right decision. It's absolutely the right tact for the Utah Jazz, hello, for the Utah Jazz and Danny Ainge to take to demand DeAndre Hunter in this deal. Because frankly, um, for those of you who don't know, Kevin Herter of the Atlanta Hawks just signed a massive $65 million extension that is going to pay him $15 million a year that kicks in this coming season. And if you are the Utah Jazz, that doesn't make a lot of sense financially because the, the framework of this deal um, that we have been told by NBA sources is John Collins, Clint Capella, and DeAndre Hunter in exchange for Rudy Gobert, and in all likelihood, Royce O'Neal going to Atlanta. By the way, also, Atlanta would send their first-round pick from this coming NBA draft in exchange for Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, and potentially, I think, a third player that very likely could be Jared Butler, but that's all to be determined. Jake, should the Utah Jazz 
make a deal that doesn't include DeAndre Hunter. No, absolutely not. And I think that DeAndre Hunter needs to be the cornerstone of this deal. I, I think for so long now, we've talked about how the Utah Jazz need wing defense, and they need a guy who can create his own shot besides Donovan Mitchell. And that's exactly what DeAndre Hunter brings. And I think that you know DeAndre Hunter is somebody who, yeah, he is a younger guy. He, he, he is a young guy, a lot of athleticism, uh, really great defender, uh, somebody who just has good defensive instincts, understands how to eat space and understands when to be aggressive, when not to be. Like that's the type of guy that I'm looking for when I'm when I'm trading a a franchise player and a cornerstone of my current current setup. You know, and that's like it or hate it, wherever you come down on Rudy Gobert, that's who he is. He he is a, a like we've been saying, uh, he's an all star, multi time defensive player of the year, but he is a cornerstone of the Utah Jazz as it's currently constituted. And that's why I say if you're going to be trading guys like Rudy Gobert, you damn well better be getting exactly what you want back because, and, and this is the problem, the Atlanta Hawks are, are probably operating in a space where they feel like, hey, we could get, like, we have multiple deals we're going to do. We don't have to do this deal with the Utah Jazz, but we'd really like to get Rudy Gobert. We'd like to have him on our squad. And the problem is, is that we don't want to give up DeAndre Hunter because of that defense. And I'm here to tell you that if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm saying that's a must-have. I'm saying that that's a top priority for us to get back. We're not looking to bring in another big in Capella and a guy who is a is a pretty damn good shooter in Kevin Herter and can create his own a little bit. We're not looking to bring those guys in without bringing in defense. So that's why I say, at the end of the day, the Utah Jazz need to be stubborn on this one. The Utah Jazz need to do what it takes to get DeAndre Hunter because if you can get him and you can put him on the floor at the same time with Donovan Mitchell and Don's got a guy he can work off of a little bit, that's going to make Donovan Mitchell a better basketball player. That's going to make the Jazz more effective offensively. And so, yeah, I, I don't, uh, to answer the question directly, no, they shouldn't make a deal if DeAndre Hunter is not included. I would be looking at other options if if the Hawks are saying we're not, we're not including DeAndre Hunter in this deal. Yeah, I think it is something that is, is critical. You're only going to get a chance to trade a guy like Rudy Gobert hopefully once a generation. I mean, it, giving up a guy like Rudy Gobert should come with a significant return. You're not desperate to make this deal. You would like to make this deal. And, and honestly, you do need to trade Rudy Gobert. For financial reasons, you need to make this deal. But you cannot give Rudy Gobert away. This is a three-time defensive player of the year. And by all accounts, the Utah Jazz have the best defensive stopper in the NBA with Rudy Gobert. But the Utah Jazz also know that they've got to do something to get their financial house in order. And right now, it would seem the best way for the Utah Jazz to do that is to trade Rudy Gobert. DeAndre Hunter, though, he is everything that you need. What, what you were just saying, I think, is spot on. His defense, look no further than the way he handled the Dallas Mavericks this year on both the offensive and the defensive end. Look no further than the fact that DeAndre Hunter's a guy who can play at three different levels. He'll dunk on you, he'll hit it in the mid-range, and he can shoot the three a little bit. Now, yeah. he's a young player that's going to have to get better, and he's going to have to grow, but that's every player. Right. So I feel like, I, I just, I don't even know that there's a conversation to be had. And, you know, what our NBA sources are telling us about this deal last night um, at about 9 o'clock Mountain Time, we found out that, that the Atlanta Hawks have kind of put the cooler on this. 
um, because they want to trade Kevin Herter. They do not want to trade DeAndre Hunter. And if I'm the Utah Jazz, I think I'm doing the exact right thing by holding firm on DeAndre Hunter. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get DeAndre Hunter from the Atlanta Hawks, the Utah Jazz don't have, you know, like their, their panhandling shoes on. Like, this is a team that can go make a deal. Now, granted, I, I think the Bulls deal is far less attractive. I think I think the better deal, frankly, is the Atlanta deal. But there, it's not like you're, you're if you're the Utah Jazz, you're begging Toronto to make a deal. Yeah. There are other deals out there for Rudy Gobert. But if you can get John Collins and if you can get uh, DeAndre Hunter and you can get back into the first round of this draft – that's the deal you want to make. Yeah. And I don't think that deal is is readily available to you um, in Chicago because Nikola Vucevic, to me, is just not nearly as attractive as is what you're getting with Collins and, and even with Clint Capella. I mean, Clint Capella, for everything he's not, actually can defend the pick and roll at a pretty decent level. Yeah. So, Jake, I, I and I think, by the way, I think the Utah Jazz have to find guys who can defend the pick and roll. Yeah, and and I think the problem with the with the uh, Chicago trade for the Utah Jazz is that is that Chicago is unwilling on any level. It's a non-starter to talk about Ayudisumu and Patrick Williams. Those two guys, they've taken those two guys off the table. They're trying to move, you know, an uh, 18th pick, right? And Kobe White. That's what they're trying to do. And obviously, in a Rudy Gobert trade, they're going to move Vucevic as well. So, to me, what I'm when I'm looking at these trades for the Jazz, I like Atlanta and Toronto way more than I like Chicago. Now that Chicago's taken those two players off of the table, I think I, I like the prospect of. And again, we haven't even gotten to Mike Conley or 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 Bogey yet, as far as trades are concerned. But let's assume that those two guys are still here, which I don't think they will be. But let's assume that they are. I like the sound of Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and Boyan Bogdanovich standing in the corner. I like that. I like how that pans out. I like the athleticism on the floor. I like the defense on the floor. I like the way those guys work together, how how their games kind of play together. And I also like the pace with which that would allow you to play. Right, like if you have those yes. guys, you can play way faster. You can do a lot more on offense. We haven't even like we haven't even got to who the Utah Jazz are going to hire for a head coaching position. We all know that that process is playing out. But I'm just talking about strictly from X's and O's. You know, forget the money. X's and O's on the floor. How these guys pan out playing together. I like the way that looks, and I also think that bringing in fresh blood and new talent and new guys and new opinions and voices is going to allow Donovan Mitchell to step into the leadership role that we've been waiting for him to step into for two years now, you know? And I think moving Rudy out and bringing these guys in would really, would really, you know, help this squad and hopefully keep them relevant and hopefully keep them as a postseason contender. But when I look at that Chicago deal, I'm not a huge fan of that deal now. I, I'm not interested in picking up a guy in, in Kobe White who who has, you know, struggled with injuries a bit and is not a dynamic player. Yes, he's good in transition. Yes, he can handle and he can shoot a little bit. But he's not the defender that that DeAndre Hunter is. He's definitely not uh, uh, the the contributor that John Collins is, in my opinion. So that's why I say the Atlanta deal for the Utah Jazz is the deal you want them to make. The problem is, is that Danny Ainge has to figure out how to basically 
you know, leverage the Hawks into including DeAndre Hunter. Because I'm okay. Like, if if it came out tomorrow that, that the deal was Rudy, Royce, and Jared Butler for DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Capella, or DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, you know, and Herter, let's say, okay, I can work with that. I yes. can work with that. Yes. That's not a bad deal. Do I want to be taking on Kevin Herter's contract? No, I don't. But I'm going to do what I need to do to get DeAndre Hunter. That's how much I prioritize him if I'm the Utah Jazz. Yeah, and I think that's exactly the right tack to take. And I think one of the things we're hearing about is that the Jazz are driving a tough bargain here. They're they're asking a very high uh, bounty for Rudy Gobert. And again, not to be redundant, but the Utah Jazz are not or hopefully should not and will not be in a position to trade a guy like Rudy Gobert anytime soon. Yeah. And when you make this deal, it's got to be an earth-shattering deal. It's got to be something that changes who you are as a basketball team. And if we want to talk about the Utah Jazz in terms of their DNA, this deal needs to be that type of deal. Yeah. And if you can put Donovan Mitchell and DeAndre Hunter next to each other for the next five years, and and if you make this deal, you can't tell me this doesn't end all that. Well, Donovan Mitchell wants out. Mm-hmm. This ends all of that. Yeah. This trade with Atlanta, as long as DeAndre Hunter is in that deal, that to me makes a difference. It then means it doesn't matter if you include Jared Butler or Trent Forrest. It doesn't matter if you trade Azabuki. The Utah Jazz with this trade give themselves enormous flexibility. Again, it's a $50 million deal. It's a huge deal. Thanks. You are not relieving yourself of luxury tax obligations. Mm-hmm. That's the one downside to it. You are still paying an enormous amount of salary and penalties, and you become a repeat offender of the salary cap, uh, of the the salary tax, uh, the luxury tax. Excuse me, I'm I'm melting down. Yeah, but the benefit just of just in it, the, ecstasy and yeah, excitement. You know, I mean, you're so damn excited about the fact that they're going to take one guy who who can only do so much and turn it into four guys that yeah. you're having trouble explaining it. And I don't blame you, man. I I really don't blame you. I mean, I would be excited too. I I think that. I, I think that whether, you know, you it just depends who you get, you know? Like, I, I don't want—the big thing I'm worried about with this this whole situation for the Utah Jazz and Danny Ainge is, like you were saying, they're asking a lot. There is a line in negotiation in anything that you're negotiating, whether you're selling your fridge out of your kitchen or you're trying to trade Rudy Gobert. You can't ask so much that people lose respect for what you're asking for. And that's the only thing that I'm just a touch concerned about because— while you value, while the Utah Jazz value Rudy Gobert extremely highly, as they should, not saying that's wrong, but while they value him at a certain level, yeah, the league is not going to value him at that same similar level. They're going to say, yes, he's a rim protector. Yes, he is one of the best bigs in the league. Yes, he is an all-star caliber player. And yes, we're willing to give you an all-star in return. We absolutely are. Yeah. But but it, what where the issues come in are when we're talking picks or when we're talking about you know, DeAndre Hunter versus, you know, Kevin Herter. That's where the issue comes in. And that's why I say, like, yes, I would drive a hard bargain, but I'd be saying to Atlanta Hawks, dude, this deal only happens if DeAndre Hunter's in the deal. You need to accept that and then let me know what you think as far as the rest of the deal is concerned. Yeah, and I think these are this is why it's so difficult to make 1v1 trades. Like, yeah. it's very difficult to just have a two-team deal because, again— it's a $50 million deal. 
And if you can include a third team in this deal, um, if you can end up sending, if you can include a team like the Miami Heat, who we know have interest in Boyan Bogdanovich, or if you can include... Well, we know they have interest in Donovan Mitchell too, right? Because well, you know, well, yeah. he went to a birthday party was, and it, you know, they, had, they had meetings and stuff. And the pictures and stuff. Uh, anyway, <laughs> my point is, yeah, exactly. My point is that I think you have to, if you are the, the Utah Jazz, you better be driving a hard bargain. Yeah. And I think if, if you're the Jazz and you can find a third team to to dance with here, I think that makes this deal a lot more palatable. Yeah. Um, it probably nets you an extra draft pick. It, because think about it this way. If if you're willing to take on John Collins and Clint Capella, which, again, I'm not sure that I would want to do that. The money that you have tied up in those guys, and maybe you move one of those guys at the deadline next next winter, I don't mm -hmm. know. But the the money that you're bringing back, I mean, you're talking about a $52 million return. I mean, that is a that is a significant amount of money that you're I think it's incoming cap. The incoming cap number on that deal is fifty one point five million dollars. That is a lot of money. Yeah. And you, you are you are sending forty nine point five million dollars. So you're adding two million dollars to your cap. Yeah. Depending on what you do. And that's that's with Collins, Capella and Hunter. That's why I'm telling you it's untenable. It's absolutely untenable to take back Kevin Herter in this deal. If you're taking Collins, if you are taking Clint Capella, Clint Capella is an $18 million player. John Collins is a $23, $23.5 million player who just signed an extension. Yeah. Then on top of that, you're going to take Kevin Herter's $65 million guaranteed that kicks in this season. That's not a smart financial deal. Yeah. To me, that the Kevin Herter. Yeah, the Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter part of this deal is the deal breaker. And that's why, according to NBA sources, the Atlanta Hawks have cooled on this deal. And if I'm Danny Ainge, I am not going back to the Atlanta Hawks without DeAndre Hunter. I'm not. And listen, if you feel like you have. If you feel like you can move Clint Capella, okay, great. This feels like a deal to me, Jake, that needs a third team. Yeah. I think that's how you get this done. Well, and I think we've been saying that for a long time, that just generally speaking, in the big picture for the Utah Jazz, that, that a third team in the Rudy Gobert trade is definitely yes. going to help things and smooth things out and up the efficiency of getting something done. But again, you have other rumors, you know, going around, you know, and again, this is Twitterville, this is, you know, Rumorville. But there's a rumor going around that that the Jazz are interested in trading Mike Conley for KCP from Washington. And so when I start when I see that and I start thinking about who third teams would be, I mean, sure you could try to get, you know, Washington or maybe a Charlotte involved or or I don't know, maybe Houston who just dealt Christian Wood to the to the Mavericks yesterday. Like there are teams around who who want to do deals and who want movement and who want to change their roster a bit. So if I'm Danny Ainge, yeah, that that's definitely something I'm looking at because clearly the Atlanta Hawks are not in a place where they're they're feeling like what the Jazz have to offer is worth it to give up DeAndre Hunter in addition to what the Jazz are already asking for. So I just think that I think that this is the science, the process, the the fascination with with trade season and with with you know impending free agency coming. You know, that's what I love about this time of year uh for the Utah Jazz and for the NBA. All of these conversations about, hey, I got this guy and I want that guy. How do I how what's the bridge to get it done? That conversation in context with what's happening in the organization is what was what I love about this time of year. 
You know, we don't get this any other time of year, you know, but this time of year, I, I just love talking about it. Yeah, I, I think, again, Cantavius Caldwell-Pope is making $14 million. Mike Conley makes 21 I mean, that's probably a deal that works on some level. But again, I just think you're asking for trouble when you're starting to when you're starting to take on that kind of money in a 1v1 situation. Yeah. So, you know, hey, listen, if you can, I would absolutely flip Mike Conley for Cantavius Caldwell-Pope. Mm -hmm. I would. I mean, Cantavius is a guy that shot the Lakers to a championship. Um, he is a very good three-point shooter. He's a limited, you know, player in scale. He's an excellent defender. Uh, Cantavius is so yeah I could see that deal working but we'll see I, I don't know I don't know what I don't know what Atlanta is willing to do mm -hmm. because by all accounts um, and again we were told directly by sources we trust completely that the Atlanta Hawks have cooled on this deal because they don't want to trade DeAndre Hunter right and I totally get it but if you want to move Collins and if you want to move Capella you're gonna have to pay a price and the question is, does that mean they don't include a first-round pick? Does that mean that you have to get a third team involved? My feeling is Danny Ainge knows how to get these deals done. I think we all know that. It's just a matter of, of, of what his tolerance is for adding that third team. All right, let's get your thoughts in here. Uh, Forrest G, first one in, says good morning. Uh, Cody Strickland says morning, men. Mitchell Harding says what's up. I uh, hope you are well as well, Mitchell Harding. Uh, it is... Uh, what do you guys like about Colby White? It's Kobe White. Yeah. Uh, not Colby White. Kobe White is the is a gas can. Yeah. He's a guy that that gets up and down the floor. The injuries kind of concern you. The missed games concern you. Um, you know, the lack of upward movement in his growth kind of concerns you. He's Jared Butler 2.0. I mean, let's be honest. Nah, he's a it, better dude. player than Jared Butler. Well, he's, he's a, better a better player, player than but Jared he's, Butler. He hasn't shown the ability to get traction the way the way that Utah Jazz would need him to have traction. I, I mean, you're 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 talking about a guy who who can get up and down. You're talking about he a guy who can shoot the three. He can he get can to shoot the basket it a little bit. Like, but he's but again, yes, he can do those things. But he's not he's not a He's not someone that I'd have starting on my team. I'd bring him off the bench for a firecracker role, very in a similar fashion to what Clarkson does. But Clarkson is a better, a much better player than Kobe White is, in my opinion. I don't even think well, that's a but, discussion. But see, I think Kobe White's a role player. I I think I think Jordan Clarkson is a foundational piece of your rotation. Kobe White's a role player. Yeah. He's a guy that is a bench player in Chicago. He's a guy that serves, you know, as as depth at the point guard. He can give you he can give you some points. He's a guy out of North Carolina that, you know, frankly, had a lot more upside potential than we've seen him. And a, and a lot of it, I think, is because he he has not played a full season. Like, you know, th this year he played sixty one games with an injury, so he missed twenty games. Um, you know, but he's also a guy that that you know, shoots 54% effective field goal percentage, which is, is not terrible. Um, you know, but when you, when you start looking at his ability to, to shoot the ball, you, you would like to see him shoot a higher percentage from three. Certainly you'd like to see him, you'd like to see him grow. Um, you'd like to see him become more of a pure point guard. I think he likes to score more than he likes to distribute. That's today's NBA. Mm -hmm. Kobe White is a role player. He is not somebody that you bring in to to finish off your championship roster. That's not who Kobe White's shown himself to be. Right. So I I like him because he he plays a role off the bench, and frankly, he's not going to be a problem. 
That's what I like about Kobe White. Neville 93, good morning to you. Tanner Plummer, what's up? Hi, Tanner. Hey, buddy. Hey, guys. Uh, Tanner says, based on what we saw yesterday regarding jazz uniforms, it looks like Utah is about to take another L. <laughs> so there have been a lot of leaks out there, and we, we've talked about what we've heard about the uniforms. I think we said Monday that we were told that, you know, those uniforms are legit. Um, and that we, you will be getting a purple, I think it was just described as a purple mountain retro. Yeah. And that's what we were told yesterday. I was sent a picture over text um, confirming that those uniforms are in fact the, the, the plain black and white uniform with one color, yellow, gold kind of stuff. It's not ideal. That is, yeah, that's going to be their uniform. And my wife's like, oh, you mean the practice jerseys? No, what happened was, and this is a really key point. What happened was you rolled out a picture, showed Mrs. Monty, hey, this is the Jazz New Uniforms. Oh, are those are those college uniforms? Yes. That's precisely what she said, and I couldn't agree more. They look like Oregon uniforms, man. Like, I no, know— No, they look, they, they look like Dixie State uniforms. They look like they look like a D2. It's not a good look. Now, I was also told by my sources at the Jazz that they look much better in person than they do in the in the pictures and the renderings. Mm -hmm. That um, when you see them on on players, that you are going to be impressed. So, quite literally, seeing is believing is what we're saying. That's you know, take note. Yeah, like, you know, I listen. I love the purple mountain retro as it was described to me. I love that. Um, you know, to his credit, uh, the Twitter account Jazz Nation tweeted out a picture of the floor that supposedly is going along with this. And, you know, to his credit, Jazz Nation has done a very nice job. Um, if it's in fact true that that's the floor and these are the uniforms, this is hugely disappointing. And all I can hope is that the City Edition jersey is fire because I think this if you if we're give, my favorite uniform is the navy jazz uniform. Yeah. That's my favorite uniform. That's the one a god spider. Bro, are you okay, man? There's a spider okay? on my arm. I am a tasty nugget. Damn. I hate spiders. And so many spiders lately. It's cuz it's warming up. And shut up. Anyway. Yeah, it's warming up. Don't make excuses for spiders. Just burn the house down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um anyway. Anyway. This jazz uniform is not ideal. It It's not ideal. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, howdy, everybody. JB, good to see you. Dane, good morning to you. Spencer D. The D. Says Boston in seven. Good luck. Uh, Gabe Ledley says, my dudes. Gabe, good to see you. James Knight, where's my 4X gold? <laughs> he says, how they hanging, lads? Hanging just fine. <laughs> John Jackson says, worst case scenario is it best to take whatever you can get for Rudy or hold him for another year for a better deal? There's no such thing as taking what you can get. Yeah. There's also no such thing as holding him for another year. Yeah. That's not going to work. Uh, so, you know, I, I think you've made it pretty clear. You're building around Donovan Mitchell. You're going to do everything you can do to play to his strengths. DeAndre Hunter certainly does that. Yeah. Absolutely, he and does And I just that. don't think that Danny Ainge is going gonna, is gonna to allow – 
you know, is going to allow himself to get in a position with this whole trade conversation. He's not going to allow himself to get into a position where he's like, all right, time's time's ticking. I'm at the end of the rope here. I just got to do what I can do. Like, you're not... He's not, he's not going to get in into that position. I, I, it's much like the coaching thing. You're going to have as many conversations as possible. You're going to lay out all those conversations on a table, and then you're going to decide what, what you want to do and what's best for the organization based on the player you're getting and the tax ramifications. Yes. That's what you're yes. going to do. And I, yes. think that, I think that for so long, the Utah Jazz were run by somebody in Dennis Lindsay. Who, who did not do that, who did not have a process, who just said, oh, well, Rudy is, a, at the time, a, I think a, a two-time defensive player of the year and somebody who's an all-star, so we're going to just max him out and pay him the most we can pay him and, yeah. and hope for the best. And that's not what's happening now. Yeah, and I think there is, I think there, Dennis Lindsay is, was the kind of executive who would fold. Dennis Lindsay is... You know, for better or worse, Dennis made some good deals. Dennis made some terrible deals. He was awful in the draft room. Yeah. Danny Ainge is not the guy that folds on trades. Does he always win? No. But does he get the deal done that he wants to get done usually? Yeah. He's an executive that knows how to operate in this league, and let's hope that that he proves that. Uh, Dante May says Danny isn't folding on Hunter, nor should he. No. Eric and Raleigh says Rudy for a bag of basketballs. Who says no? Wow. That's what I said uh, yesterday, dude. Like, they, that can't happen. No. Ryan Buckley says, morning, guys. What's up, Buck? Good morning. to see you. Eric also says, the Jazz need a solid starter and a two-rotation contributor in the Gobert deal at the very least. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely Well, right. and that's why I say, like, it's not just that, you know, we think that DeAndre Hunter is, like, the greatest thing since sliced bread. I, I think the true value of him is not just the defense or not just that he can create his own shot, but more so that you can put him on the floor yes. with Don. Yes. It makes Don a better player. It makes the starting group a better group. And he's going to be a low-key guy. Like, and, and low-key meaning he's not going to be a problem for you. He's not – he. Uh, He's never been somebody who's caused locker room issues in Atlanta. I, yes. I just don't see him being that guy. That's correct. I agree. I totally agree. James Knight says the Rudy trade needs to be profitable. Otherwise, there will be a pissed off fan base. Well, much to... Well, after already being pissed off about these jerseys. Yeah, much to, much to Tricky T's point. Tanner makes a really good point. The Jazz need a win. Because you're looking in a situation where this uniform had better be fire when you stick it on that A. Because if it's not good on the player, it's not going to be approved by this fan base. And you're coming off of a very difficult playoff run for the last three years. And now you're trading one of the the beloved members of the Jazz fan base. Yeah, any way you slice it. I mean, there is a large swath of the fan base who likes Rudy Gobert. And there's going to be a large swath of the fan base that will be pissed off. And you know what I say? Who cares? Yeah. Make the best deal that you think is going to bring you closer to a championship. Yeah, agree. Because winning games is what you know, ails everything. Yeah. And the fans are going to, the fans fans are going to forget about Rudy Gobert when you're in the postseason going further than you ever have. Uh, Jeremy Bolton seems like for this Atlanta trade to finalize, you'd need to involve another team. So Atlanta feels like they get what they want. If not from the jazz. Yeah, completely agree. That's well, that's why they don't want to give up Deandre Hunter because they don't feel like the jazz are giving them what they need or giving them like adequate value Back for DeAndre. Which is why I think you have to include Jared Butler or Trent Forrest. Yeah. I, I think it, it it's not optional. I think if if you are the Jazz and you send Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, and Trent Forrest, I mean, you're giving them more options. DeAndre Hunter's not somebody you're replacing off this Jazz roster. You're yeah. not. So 
I agree. A third team is is important. Spencer D says three team trade. Let's get two way lob god London throwing it to Collins. John Collins is a nice player. Yeah. I Def- think defense. He's got bunnies. He can shoot. Like he can play. I'm telling you. Uh Eric and Raleigh, do you think uh Herder's contract if the Hawks give number sixteen this year and another first rounder in the future, I don't take his contract. I look, Kevin Herter's a decent player. He's not a fifteen million dollar a year guy. Yeah. I just not on this team. But but the problem is, see, and this is this is what I mean. See, so like the Jazz, if they're gonna continue to ask for DeAndre Hunter, they're gonna have to take a Kevin Herter in the deal or or some or something like that. But That's, then I'm not taking Clint Capella. Well I'm tell I in my opinion. In my opinion, John Collins and DeAndre Hunter are the starting point, not the end point. Yeah. That's the starting point. Okay, how much pain am I going to have to take in return yes. to get DeAndre Hunter? Yes. Does that mean I have to take Capella? Okay, I'm willing to do that. I'm not taking Collins, Capella, Herter, and Hunter. I can't do that. Yeah. I can't take $30 million in shit contracts in return because I'm already in that position. So you better check yourself. You know what I mean? Like you just, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, anyways, Mesh says DeAndre Hunter is the real deal. Has flashes of Kawhi Leonard, obviously not that good, but sky is the limit spot on. Yeah. And I think that the best part about him is his mentality. He wants to play defense. He wants to, he wants to play defense and then he wants to run and get out in transition. He takes joy in, in, in fighting through screens yeah. to stop Luka Doncic. Yeah. We don't have a guy on this roster that does that for the Utah Jazz. Agreed. You don't. Jeremy Bolton, wait, I'm doubting about the uniforms, but I thought the Jazz were keeping that so close to the vest. They were willing to fire fools if the jerseys got leaked. Well, now you're a day away from you're a day away. You're trying to now build momentum and yeah. excitement. There's a pro okay, see again, there's a process that plays out here. So we've been yes. talking about, you know, the new uniform unveil and like sort of this rebranding. And really what I like to call this is you know, Utah Jazz owner Ryan Smith putting his stamp on the organization because that's ultimately what yeah, this is. Yeah, you've been running with that theory. That's what this is. I mean, think about who Ryan Smith is. Ryan Smith is someone who grew up in Utah, mm-hmm. lifelong Jazz fan, but also Ryan Smith is a is a tech genius. He is a tech billionaire. He That's what's allowed him to buy the team. And so when I think about Ryan Smith, what I think about is a guy who has repeatedly said, not only in podcast interviews, um, in the Quinn presser, like we, he, it's been multiple times that he said he wants to carry on the legacy of the Millers and he wants to do it in a way that really pays homage to them. Yes. So what does that mean in terms of the jerseys? What that means is, the as you put it yesterday on the show, the daily driver, the one that they're going to wear most of the time, is going to be in Ryan's image. Clean cut, new colorways. Totally Totally agree. different than what we've seen. But to honor what's past, to honor the John Stocktons and, you know, all, all the players in the past who have done great things in the organization, to honor the Millers, yeah, we're going to have a throwback with a floor and a jersey to go with it. We're going to have, you know, these different things that pay homage. So that's why I say this is hardly just about a rebrand. This is Ryan Smith putting his stamp on the organization. That's what I truly, like, unequivocally believe about these new uniforms. Because you wouldn't go this radical just because you wanted change. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, this is right. out there with these jerseys. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know, man. I think this trade is imperative that it gets done. 
Mm-hmm. I think this deal's huge. The jersey launch is huge. Yeah, it'd be I cool. Mean, it'd be cool to see. It'd be cool to see John Collins in a in a in a new you know Utah Jazz uniform. Even if we do hate the threads, like it'd be nice to see. Yeah. By the way, the duds look a lot better on DeAndre Hunter than they do on Royce O'Neal. Yeah. You know precisely what I'm, what I'm like, saying yeah that's that to yeah. me makes it makes a big makes a big difference Tanner Plummer says oh by the way what's the bet if Wiggins wins the finals MVP Jake owes me a thousand dollars stop he owes me a G you just spent a G on equipment yesterday don't start with me yeah somebody noticed you got a new microphone don't start there. with me look at that look at that new mic that slick yeah. is rocking over there yeah yeah man new car you yeah know what I mean you know yeah a lot I'm, of changes you know a lot of changes coming to the show over the next 90 days i would say like i'm for real stick around we have a lot of huge stuff hopefully here in about six eight weeks yeah we're gonna make a huge announcement there's a process playing out we're trying to get deandre hunter back for you yeah. know our investment and we're standing pat yeah we're standing yeah pat. We're, we're standing pat there is a there is a big big deal coming so stick around <laughs> we have a lot of exciting things make sure you shop our affiliate links uh, by the way uh Amazon Prime Day is July 12th. We will have huge, huge discount links for you. Yeah. Um, in our affiliate links below coming up. And you tell us. You tell us what you're looking for on Prime Day, and we'll get you one. Yeah, you Swear. tell us what you want on Prime Day, and I'll get you a link for it. It is it this is supposedly one of the best Prime Days in the history of Amazon. If you are not an Amazon Prime member, hit me up, send me a DM. I'll send you a link for a 50% discount on yeah. being a Prime member. Like I'm telling you now, you got to get Amazon Prime. It Fair. is it is the way the world spins. Yes. It, it is it is the way the world spins. You guys need to do more uh to your backdrop. Who said that? James Knight. Yeah. Maybe we're working on it. Maybe we're not. Yeah. Maybe if we had 4X gold, we could do something more with our backdrop. Yeah, maybe if we were drunk on Australian beer James Knight, we could do something about it. Yeah. Um but we're not cuz you welched on your bet. Um, you know, I'm kidding, James. You know, we're working on it. We actually, no, seriously, we are. There we is, are. yeah, trust me, hang with us. There is a huge announcement coming. Huge. We are working on a big, big deal. Big Dog O Town says, that's what I meant by teams playing hardball, not willing to uh, give value for Rudy. Jazz might have to take on some garbage to facilitate a trade. Shout yeah. the Mo Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, yeah, get rid of that sad excuse for a Ute mascot. We're going to talk Utes here in five minutes after we talk about the checkbook team known as the Golden State Warriors. This pisses me off. I Dude, did not appreciate let's this. Let's talk NBA Finals on the Monty let's Show. Go. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. If you're here right now, please hit the thumbs up button. It really helps the channel grow. Give us a subscribe. When we get to 5,000 subscribers, we are going to give away a PlayStation 5. So Brian Windhorst, ESPN. The four-letter network. Uh, NBA insider Brian Windhorst made a reference to the Golden State Warriors, it tweaked Jake significantly when he said that game five was a, quote, checkbook win. And he started talking shit. For the Golden State Warriors. And I'm here to tell you that's exactly what it was. And that's not a bad thing. Why did that comment upset you so much? It upsets me because it has a negative connotation. It, it sends the message that that you think they only won the game because they shelled out a ton of money and they went and got a bunch of guys, which is not what's happened with the Warriors. The, and, and honestly, if you take a, a real, like, clear, concise look at the Warriors, I'm not disputing that they spend an F ton of money. I'm not disputing that. That's not my issue. I agree they spend a ton of money and pay a ton of luxury tax. My issue is, is calling it a checkbook win 
says that, hey, you just went out and bought a bunch of talent, which is not what they've done. This goes all the way back to, I, well, I don't even, can you look up when Steph was drafted? What, what year was Steph Curry drafted? Because that year was the beginning of what we're seeing today. That year, when they chose to give him a chance after the scouting report said some kid from Davidson was too small and couldn't shoot, what year is it? 2009. 2009, bro. 2009. So what is that, 13 years ago? 13 years ago, they are winning this championship today. And that's why I have an issue with it, because it undercuts everything they've done, from development of Steph, Clay, and Draymond, to to making uh, trades with, for, for wigs that everyone said was a really dumb trade, and everybody thought, oh, well, you know, D'Lo's the better player, and what are you doing, right? And then the decision, as you said before the show in the pre-show meeting. The vaunted pre-show. Behind the scenes. Special meeting. When you said, hey, you know, there was criticism around, you know, keeping him, keeping Wiggs on the roster or well, not. Well, it, I mean, the guy makes $32 million. And, yeah. and what I said about that was that it took some kahanes. 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 It took some balls to keep Andrew Wiggins on that team. Yeah. There was a lot of speculation that the Golden State Warriors were going to cut and run on Andrew Wiggins because they're paying $170 million in luxury tax money. Yeah. But they didn't, and they didn't do that. And the reason that calling the Golden State Warriors a checkbook win or their win a checkbook win or them a checkbook team is because it's not wrong. They have deeper pockets. And why do they have deeper pockets? Because they drafted better. The house that Steph built, Chase Center, is a, a, a monolith of awesomeness in San Francisco on the waterfront. They make more money than you. They spend more money than you. And now they're winning more championships than but you. But do you agree that him, that Windhorse saying it's a checkbook win is like, it has a negative connotation no, I with don't. how he was saying it? I think when you're a Warriors apologist such as yourself. I'm not. And you're slurping Steph deep. I'm not. That I, I, you know. <laughs> I'm not. I think as a, a as a casual observer of the Golden State Warriors, you're offended by it. And I, I just don't think. I don't believe that this is offensive. I think Seems like a great opportunity to slurp and splash. Yeah, it does. Slurp and splash that MFR, boys. Like, uh, But I think they've earned it. And, and listen, if you're Brooklyn, okay, calling Brooklyn a checkbook team is an insult. If you're looking at Golden State, they've earned it. They're okay, about what? to win their fourth ring in eight years drafting talented players. It's not a problem that Steph Curry is making $45 million. No, it's you not. You drafted him. You developed him. He won you three rings. He's about to win a fourth. The guy has earned $10 million a season per ring. Who cares? Pay him. Because you have a deep checkbook. If you felt these balls. Look at look at their ability to draft and develop. Look at their ability to take D'Angelo Russell and turn him into the NBA Finals MVP. Please. Andrew Wiggins. Give me my $1,000. Please. I will pimp Please. slap you. Anyway, the point is, it's not an insult. It's the truth. Bob Myers is the best general manager in the NBA. He's a straight savage, man. I mean, there's no way around that. That's why you can afford to build the Chase Center. That's why you can afford to pay Andrew Wiggins 32 when you're already paying Steph, you know, 45. I'm for real. Because you drafted Steph, Clay, and Dre, and they stayed together. It's why you're able to bring in a guy like Andre Iguodala to help you win. And by the way, by the way, they've also got Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman. They, they've got all these guys. They're repeatedly executing in the draft, man.
When they lose, they win. When they like, win, they win. Like, you're winning now, and you're <laughs> clearly going to win for the next five years. Even if Steph were to retire in three seasons, you're still going to be relevant. The, Andrew Wiggins really is a guy on that roster that you point to that they, they bought, if you will. But how did they buy him? They traded for him because they had acquired D'Angelo Russell. Yep. Like, I, they just out-business you. Yes. They're better at the business of basketball. And again, if you want to compare and contrast them to the, the Utah Jazz, the Golden State Warriors are a far better organization, a superior organization to the Utah Jazz. Yeah. When are the Utah Jazz building a, a monolith of modern proportion, an awesome house of basketball? They're not. They're at, they're at Vivint for, for the, the foreseeable future. It, it, to me... You have to be able to continue to grow and win. And right now, you have better owners in the Lakeups than you do in Ryan Smith. You have a far better general manager in Bob Myers than you did in Dennis Lindsay and now in Danny Ainge. There are a few executives I'd be hyped to get on this team other than Danny Ainge. Bob Myers is one of them. Yeah. I mean, you have the best head coach in the NBA and Steve Kerr. We we hire the best people. Yeah. Yep. They do hire yeah. the best people in, in Golden State. Yeah. They do. They went from Oakland to San Francisco. That's called good business, man. Like, they're just they, – it's not a problem to call them a checkbook team. When they win the NBA Finals tonight, when they win the NBA Championship tonight, when they close in six games, so you know things can start getting rolling with the draft and free agency when they do that tonight – that's four championships in eight years when you went through one of the worst stretches in modern NBA history with injuries to Katie and Clay, like losing games. Oh, by the way, you turned that into Wiseman and Kaminga. And, <laughs> you, you know, like, I mean, Jordan Poole. And by, they were able to keep Steph, Clay, Dre, and they add Andrew Wiggins. And now the question is, are you going to keep Andrew Wiggins or are you going to trade Clay Thompson? We did what we did. You probably can't do both. It's tough, bro. You probably can't Super do both. Super tough. Anyway, it's not an insult to call him a checkbook team. Yeah. It's not. Jeremy Bolton uh, says you have to, to be twice the executive when you have half the money, though. True. And by the way, Golden State, when Bob Myers and the Lakeups got there, Golden State was not known as the team that spent all kinds of money. Nope. They weren't. So there's something to be said for that. Uh, Jeremy Bolton also says, I don't agree for the record. The Warriors did it right with drafting. Absolutely, they yeah. did. Eric said, if Boston didn't base the entire defensive game plan to stop Curry, Wiggins wouldn't be free to take over games. That said, Wiggins has absolutely shown up and took over games. It's amazing to me that even in this series, when you designed a defense to stop Steph, he still had big games. Yeah. But you... You haven't even seen their best rotation. I mean, when you look at Andrew Wiggins, I mean, Jordan Poole hasn't been able to play because he's just made awful decisions. Mm -hmm. So they took his minutes away and they gave him some back and the kid has absolutely performed. How many half-court buzzer beaters are we getting from this guy in the finals? Repeatedly, bro. I mean... Repeatedly. They're just... They do basketball well. Eric, nobody knows that more than you. You he, you get it. Uh Brett Robbins says, man, Russell is almost as disappointing as Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. I think I think D'Angelo Russell's a guy that needs a place like Utah. I would love to see them bring in a D'Angelo Russell where he can be not an alpha male, but like a 1B. Yeah. 
because he's just gotten run out of Minneapolis because, oh, by the way, they've drafted really well. Some guy named Anthony Edwards came in and it's lit it Ant, up. It's Ant, please. I'm sorry, Ant. Ant sorry. Edwards. Sorry. You know. Uh, fact is, keeping Wiggins to pair with Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga, and Peyton II means the Warriors have the next dynasty already on the team. Well, yep. I think they're going to trade Wiseman. I think they're going to trade Wiseman. Because it doesn't make a lot of sense to keep Wiseman and Kaminga on the same roster. There's redundancy there. And I think... I don't know. It depends on what you believe. I mean, Wiseman hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. Frankly, that's what I was going to say. Neither has Kaminga, but we haven't seen enough. Yeah. I, I don't know who the better player is. I don't know that anybody really knows who the better player is. So we'll see. Cody Strickland says, hey, can we talk about something real like uh, the food talk with the Montes soon? Um, we must first. Something real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We must first discuss. Kyle Whittingham's contract extension at the U. Throw up the U. How about how about the details of this Kyle Whittingham? This is ridiculous. Deal? This is an incredible deal. Good old Kyle Whittingham, who damn near re retired last year. Yeah. Kyle Whittingham gets a deal that kicks in January 1st in his 18th year, it will be then. 17 years right now, 143 and 70. And his new deal will take him to 6.83 annually which is a $400,000 raise. That puts him in the ballpark of David Shaw at Stanford at $7 million, Riley at USC at $10 million. When he does finally retire, he gets a five-year contract for $995,000 to be a special assistant slash advisor to the athletic director. His grandkids get free tuition, and he gets a $1 million lump sum payout as a retirement gift. Oh, by the way, the best part if you're a Utah fan, there are $100,000 bonuses based on facilities development. If the Utes don't break ground on their new indoor football-only facility, this year Kyle Whittingham gets $100,000. Now, remember, I just want to cut in. If they do not break ground. If they do not break ground. He gets a $100,000 bonus. Yeah. If it's not done by the spring of 2024, Kyle Whittingham gets another $100,000 bonus. If they don't put new graphics on the walls in the Eccles football facility, he gets $100,000. If they don't put new carpet in the Eccles football facility, he gets $100,000. So not only is he getting paid, he has incentives in his contract that say, if you don't upgrade the facilities, you're paying me money not to. Right now, they share a facility with all the other sports. It's brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant. You know, sports programs. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely, in my opinion, it's brilliant. It is. You don't even have football only facilities in your winning Pac 12 championships. It's insane. Like, it's insane. The fact that Kyle Whittingham is the original BCS buster. Mm -hmm. The fact that Kyle Whittingham just took you to the Rose Bowl in a conference championship. Yeah. The fact that Kyle Whittingham is competing and beating teams like USC. The fact that Kyle Whittingham has made a pipeline to the NFL that runs through Sac Lake City. The fact that Kyle Whittingham is still standing today, 17 years later, at the University of Utah. Yeah. The fact that Rice Eccles Stadium has been completely renovated. The fact that the fact that it's unfreaking believable what this guy has done at Utah. And there's every reason to believe he had one and a half foot out the door with Chris Hill and 
the adversity that this team has faced over the last year, the the job that Kyle Whittingham has done continuing to build faith and family and community at Utah. Yeah. The recruiting job, the facilities job, the fundraising job, the booster job, the NIL job needs work. Kyle Whittingham has earned every penny that this team and this university will ever pay him. Yeah. This is absolutely the right move. And A.D. Harlan was the right hire, and this move cements that. Yeah. You look at the changes in the basketball program. You look at the changes and the upgrades in the football program. Utah Athletics is not back. They are here Mm -hmm. to stay. And I think, with all due respect to what's going down, TDS, Team Down South there, brother. Uh, You know. Big 12 D's nuts. Yeah, built bars and stuff. With all due respect, Utah is set up to win for the next five years. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to do. And as much momentum, and I still think BYU is the the behemoth in this state. Um, I think that I think that BYU is the football program in this state. Mm-hmm. Utah's not doing half bad. And I think that Utah and BYU are going to compete at the top of their conferences for the foreseeable future. Football in this state with this contract extension, football in this state has been secured now for the next five years. Yeah. And I think that this is, I can't understate it. I can't, the guy just is incredible. He's one of those people. I, I think I think he's one of those people in sports where, where you know what you're going to get. You know you're getting a high level of execution. You know you're getting the quality. You know you're getting a, a really... Um, well-run program. You don't have to worry about about you know what you have to worry yeah. about when Urban Meyer is your head coach. You know, like it's a well, good program. And, and or bringing up Urban Meyer is very is very apropos because you know you look at Urban and you look at the fact that Kyle was under Urban when Urban was here, and you know I give more credit for the BCS Buster thing to to Kyle Whittingham because Kyle Whittingham is the one that built these defenses. Kyle Whittingham is the one that has lasted and stayed and been the brand at Utah football. So when I say, hey, BCS buster Kyle Whittingham, yeah, he earned that. He absolutely earned that. And when you look at the competition and BYU had everything last year, the big 12 announcement, the big wins, you know, you go back to Zach Wilson being number two in the draft. Like they had everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Utah had nothing but tragedy and rain and clouds and darkness and a Pac-12 championship and a bid and a berth in the Rose Bowl. Crazy. And there's only one guy that deserves credit for that, and that's Kyle Whittingham. And I just don't think that you can say enough. The ability to stay in one place for 17 years and get an extension and get a million-dollar retirement parachute, and get a 995000 annual salary for the next five years after you retire, Yeah, to, that a university will pay for your grandkids to go to college, it tells you the place that Kyle Whittingham has in the lineage, in the history, in the tradition, and the future of Utah athletics. Mm-hmm. There's going to be buildings named after him, and there should be. And there should be. I think the guy is just, yeah. what he's done is remarkable. I could go on and on. I have so much respect 
and just so much love for Kyle Whittingham and what he's accomplished at Utah. Yeah. He has earned everything that he is getting and more. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, why don't you guys have, why don't you guys and Wick get a room? Because his calves and my calves won't fit in the same room. How about that? Uh, you know, though I will admit, Jeremy Bolton says, Wit does have some pretty good calves. Thank you. Kyle Whittingham was the original BCS buster, Tanner says. Uh, actually, that was Urban Meyer, but yes, no, that was Kyle Whittingham. That was Kyle Whittingham. Uh, Eric and Raleigh says, can someone tell me what a ute is? No. Uh, Eric Devera, Eric Devera. I'm just guessing in Australia, a ute short for utility vehicle. Incorrect. Do people really not know what a ute is? Google it. That's crazy. Urban set the table for Whittingham, Loverin says. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, but but Urban has no deserves no credit for what Kyle Whittingham has been able to do. Wit was the legs of the table then. Yeah. Like I, I just that yeah, it's not worth getting over. Yeah. They've been slurping BYU for the past couple of months now, Tanner says. Well, we don't see this is the beautiful part about this show. We don't have to slurp anybody. Like we are not tied to our independence and our ability to be unbiased is is where our win is. Yeah. Like we don't have to do any of that. Has BYU not had all the wins in the state the last year? They have. They like, have. Like, is there, is there, uh, would you, are you guys saying we went out of our way? Because I don't feel like we went out of our way. I think no. BYU went out of their way. No, I would agree with that. I think, I think that football, college football in this state is, has never been more well positioned to compete at the top of college football. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us would be surprised if Utah or BYU won a national championship in the next five years. I certainly would not. Um, I think the road is steeper for, for BYU entering the Big 12. But there's no reason to believe that Kyle Whittingham and, and Utah can't compete for a national championship, that they can't earn a spot in the college football playoff. There's no Not, not after what we saw last year. Um, and if Cam Rising continues to grow and develop, there's no reason to believe he won't. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to believe that they can't pipeline quarterbacks the way that they've done defensively. You've you, Obviously, you want to keep growing your quarterbacks, and they need better depth at wide receiver. They need You're losing a foundational piece to your what's been your program in, in Britton Covey, who's a Philadelphia Eagle now. Like Who, by the way, people are raving about. I mean, the, you're building good character guys, and to me, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they won a national championship at Utah. It, it just wouldn't. Um, I think that Harlan's done a really good job since he arrived. I mean, I don't know anybody that was sad to see Chris Hill go. I don't. Yeah. I really don't. So um, I, I just, I think BYU and Utah are both in really powerful positions right now. And it's just a matter of continuing the process. Yeah. So, and spring football at BYU, I think this was one of their best springs that they've had recently. I think this was the best spring that Kalani Sataki's had as the head football coach at BYU. So from everybody down there that I've talked to and the, the, you know, what you see from the players and what you see, like they're going to, they're going to be very good this year. I'm, I'm excited about that. All right. All right. Yeah. So now we have come to the non-sports stories yeah. portion of the program. As Cody Strickland. So, you know, aptly wanted. Rough day for the Audi SQ5 yesterday. So you know that I am a huge German auto fan. Right. Beamer, Audi. I'm not a Mercedes guy at all. No. I love my Audi. Klaus right. is the name of my Audi. I drive a 2018 Audi SQ5. Red leather, stitched interior. 
Really nice. Twin turbo V6. Beautiful machine. I'm for real. Beautiful automobile. Like, just beautiful. And it has been... I've owned it for a year and a month, and it has been flawless. Then I let my wife drive the car. Went out to the garage yesterday. Had a big meeting yesterday. Run out to the garage. Hop in the Audi. And it did the... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, it did the slow start. And then all of a sudden... I got error codes all over the place, like through errors everywhere. This is a code 10 abort. Like the one error said, switch the ignition to the off position to avoid further damage. Like, oh God. So I don't know two Fs about fixing cars. Right. Nothing. Right. And so the rocket ship's broken. So I call for a tow. And that's a nightmare on its own. Mm-hmm. But I called my guys at uh, Audi Lehigh. And they were like, oh, yeah, man, have it have it brought in. Have it brought in. We'll, we'll get it taken care of for you. Call American Family, who's my insurance company. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of a problem to get a tow set up these days. It took about 45 minutes just to answer all the questions on the automated system before you talk to somebody at American Family Roadside Assistance who they hire a firm. And then you got to answer all the same questions again, but it takes about half the time because you're talking to a human. So it was really frustrating. It ruined my afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then the tow truck driver arrived and everything got better. Everything started going downhill from there. Like you had been, and when I say downhill, I mean, it got super easy. Tow truck driver calls me. Hey, uh, is, is this Tim? Hey, I got the message you need. Your Audi picked up. Is, hey it in a, is it in a place where I can get my flatbed? Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Guy rolls up. I walk out of the garage. I'm like, hey, he's like, are you the one that called? Yep. And the first thing he says to me is, wow, nice Jordans. <laughs> and we start talking about Jordans. Yeah. And the guy says to me, you know, the reason I love Jordans and I collect some Jordans is my mom would never let me have them when I was a kid. So now as an adult, I buy Jordans, which is the exact same reason I have over 100 pairs of Jordans. Okay, so you guys hit it off. So then the last tow truck experience I had was probably 10 years ago with the Volvo. Mm -hmm. And the guy like actually bent a wheel on my Volvo trying to put it on the flatbed like it was a real pain in the ass. So I said to this tow truck driver yesterday, hey, do you mind if I drive it up onto the flatbed? Um, And he goes, oh, no, please do. Cool, man. So he lets me drive it up onto the flatbed. It's perfect. He drives away. He takes it straight to Audi Lehigh. And then I get a text message from him with a picture of the business card of the guy that he he had dropped it off to. And not five minutes later, the guy at Audi Lehigh calls me and he's like, hey, is this so-and-so? I'm like, yep. And he's like, hey, we got your Audi SQ5. By the way, very thorough uh, tow driver. He did a great job. Yeah. I was like, cool, man. That's awesome. And then the guy at Audi Lehigh, and I want to shout him out. Where's my phone? Where's the old iPhone 13 Pro Max? Yeah. Huge phone. Huge, uh, huge dog. You know. Yeah. I want to shout this guy out. Yeah, shout him out. Uh, Arturo. Arturo. At uh, Audi Lehigh. 
Arturo calls me and he's like, hey, I know this is a, a really stressful situation. It looks like you've never been here before. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, you know, I've, I test drove some Porsches, you know, a couple of months ago. But yeah, the, the, he goes, so you've never had this car serviced here? I said, no, really, we've never really serviced it at all. We've just had the, you know, the recommended maintenance done. And it's been a gem. And so we were talking about it. He goes, yeah, these are great cars. And he said, yeah, I can see your service record. And he's like, what happened? And I was like, well, you know, this X, Y, and Z, I tell him the story. And the guy's like, well, that's great news because that's your battery probably. He said, it's one of two things. And he said, well, let's hope it's the battery because when the battery is almost dead, like it throws a bunch of error codes because the computer doesn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And he said, but if it is the CPU, that's about $6,000 and it's not covered. Mm-hmm. He said, I just want you to be aware of that. Brace yourself. And I was like, oh boy. And he said, yeah, but you're only at 38,000 miles. I'm yeah, guessing I don't think it's, it's the CPU. I'm guessing it's the battery. He said, but you know, honestly, we won't be able to look at it tonight. We're closed. Would it be okay if we looked at it tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, man, no problem at all. I know I just dropped it off on you. And he's like, yeah, no worries. He's like, we're going to get to it as soon as we can. It'll be locked up. We'll take great care of it. I'm going to call you tomorrow either way and just kind of give you an update on it. Would that be okay? Well, I was like, God damn. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's great. I really appreciate the phone call and the level of service. He said, my pleasure. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <sighs> Amazing. The tow driver then calls me. Hey, did you hear from the guy at Audi? He told me he was going to call you, but I want to make sure. I was like, incredible. Yeah. He called me. Absolutely incredible. And the tow guy called me. Like it was, it was a great experience. Like it, yeah. it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been so rare to get great Good service. service. You know, I mean, that's been really hard to find. And, so I mean, and once we got off the phone with American Family, everything went smoothly, yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Good news is we had the Jeep, um, so we were able to hop in the Jeep and get to our meeting and execute that thing. Come back home, like yeah was amazing yeah um but yeah Klaus i mean i think is, it's it's awesome that it that it went off well you know i mean i think that the the tow truck experience can be kind of rough you yes know? And, it can and i think that yes I, it can. I, I, I think that it, it it all started with american family doing their job but but i think that yeah well i mean we'll see you know audi lehigh did a good job starting out let's see how they go through the process you yeah know? and you know honestly the audi dealerships we've dealt with uh, strong auto was great when i bought the car i bought the car downtown uh, from Strong Auto, had a really good experience. Um, but the Lehigh is my closest Audi dealer, so that's where they wanted to tow it to. Mm -hmm. They would not tow it downtown. Yeah. So had to take it to Audi Lehigh, and those guys were great. I mean, the the thing is, like, I don't trust tow companies. I, I honestly, I've had a very difficult history with tow companies. Um, so it was nice. South Jordan Towing is the name of the tow company. And it was really just, if you need a tow and you're in, in the area here in South Jordan, or because I live in South Jordan, obviously, I would call South Jordan Towing. Yeah, They did a phenomenal job yeah. for me. So can't say enough about that. Now, having said that, I feel really fortunate because I'm telling you the, the auto service thing is very difficult to deal with. Yeah. It is, you're backed up weeks right now. If you call somebody today and you're like, hey man, bought my car there, need to get a lube oil filter, they're going to laugh at you. But that's why I say like, that's why I say, you know, when 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 I've been given crap on the show about not wanting to go to dealers, that's why. Yes. Because it, they're, 
they're a big box store essentially with all due respect and, and i'm not saying they do bad work but the level of service it, it's 99 of the time is not that high and that's why i say i was really impressed with audi lehigh you know executing that because that's what they did they executed tanner Plummer says oh great is this another karen montemayor story hey no no it's not another karen montemayor story I, uh, <clears throat> Mrs. Monty. <clears throat> but I think this is, and we talked about this, I think this is the, the way it's going to be. Uh, I think that companies have less staff. Yes. We can't assume that we can get on-demand service anymore. No, no you can't. I, I don't feel like we can. I, I, and I think it's something we have to get used to because we've had that for a long time where it's instant gratification uh on-demand service but but here's the so let's use Vail Resorts as an example of this mm -hmm. because if you don't know Vail Resorts had supposedly like all reports from Vail Resort was we're broke the word I can't say where you get the face thing and the yeah, jab the in the arm the period and, over know. the last couple of years changed right. the ski industry right the coronavirus right and this year we had long lift lines and lifts you know in Park City specifically here but we saw it in Tahoe when we were there we saw it at Mammoth when we were at Mammoth yeah North Star was embarrassing dude that, like they had half their lifts were closed they didn't have enough lifties working but I bring all of this up to say Vail Resorts then laid off a bunch of their executives and changed their management structure and then had a had a public statement at one of their meetings the other day that said we got this season completely wrong and they were I I want to I don't want to say forced to do it but they only did that because the numbers came out that this was the most robust year in the last decade for traffic at ski resorts in Utah and in Colorado yeah 14 million people 14 million people. And so Vail Resorts came out and said, yeah, we got it completely wrong. So uh, I said, yeah. We should have paid people more. We're rate, they raised their minimum wage now. The lowest dollar figure they'll pay somebody is $20 an hour at Vail Resorts. And they said, yeah, we should have had more people on the ground. We did not staff correctly. We did not plan correctly. And we did not pay correctly. Yeah. And I, that's actually a refreshing breath of air. But here's the thing. When is everybody else going to do that? Because I think it's a bunch of trash to sit here and say, well, we can't find employees. I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe it. Yeah. I think, I think low-level jobs in fast food restaurants, I believe that. I think it's complete trash. People are charging more money than they've ever charged in fees and costs to do things that, frankly, ga it's gas. Oh, gas shortage. This There's no gas shortage. We have petroleum products to make gasoline, to make diesel, to make oil. And yet, what are you doing? You are still charging more money for gas because you can and people will pay it. Because it's garbage. And I just, I don't buy it anymore that, that companies now are saying, well, we just can't hire. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe it. And I do believe there is a, a, a labor shortage. We have incredibly low unemployment. But I do, I, I would agree with the aspect that Companies want to make more and more and more and more profits, yes. right? Yes. Any publicly traded company needs to keep their, and I say this in quotes, their stockholders happy. 
And then that's what they focus on. And that money is not going to their employees. It's going to their stockholder returns. Yep. And I think that organizations are going to have to look at, wait a minute, if we want to provide the level of customer service that keeps us being your business of choice, yep. we might have to sacrifice slightly lower profits yep. in order to do that. You either want to be the best or... You want to try and be the richest and you're going to have a terrible balance between happiness of customers and profits. Yes. Cody Strickland says, um, any chance I can hear a major bag alert drop? I missed that drop. While you look for that, um, I see three, four people saying I came here for jazz talk. We have every day. Uh, there's a ton of new listeners to the show. I totally understand that. The first hour and a half of the show usually is all sports. Mm -hmm. The last 30 minutes of the show is usually non-sports. Mm -hmm. And if you'd like jazz talk, just start from the beginning. Our jazz talk today was 54 minutes. So please feel free, hop in and, and start from the beginning. But every day we end the show with non-sports topics. Do we have a major bag And by it's the way, really we, that simple. we play drops and we read everybody's comments. This is an interactive show. Thank you for being here. We we have as many listeners now as we have ever had. There's so many new people to the show. Appreciate you guys commenting. Speaking of the major bag alert, did you share with everyone the door knocker? The No. No. Come on. So, so these two jag bags over here aren't getting me a gift jag for Father bag for Father's Day um, because they just don't care. Uh, about my feelings. So I sent them a link the other day for a door knocker, you know, like you're on your front door. And it was a guy with huge testicles and his testicles are actually the thing that hits the door. They I wouldn't just, buy it for I me. feel like maybe the HOA wouldn't be okay with this. You what? make excuses. What? That's an excuse. What? Getting fine. Uh, and by the way, we need to talk about the HOA as well because this is a big deal. And I know there's a ton of HOAs in Utah. The HOA is a scam because they... You miss one HOA payment, and we've never missed an HOA payment, knock on wood, thank goodness for that. Right, right. If you're to miss one HOA payment, they're trying to repossess your house, right? right. Like, they're trying to lean your house. Right. But where are they to do our landscaping? Where are they to I trim our bushes? They don't. Where are they to paint our house? Where Because in the HOA, we live in a townhouse. They're responsible for the outside of the house. Where's right. the outside maintenance? Where's the landscaper to cut the bushes? Like, the bushes in my house are so overgrown that they're growing through the screens on our windows. Yeah. Well, not not they are. They have already. Like yes. they put holes in your screen. By the way, when you call the HOA, nobody answers. And you have to wait in menu and they leave a message. We'll never call you back. We do need to go to an HOA meeting so we can like Yeah, it's it's time. It is yeah. like I am so frustrated with my HOA and there's nothing you can do about it. And they know that. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, you can get involved. That's your option. Yeah. You can get involved. But who's got time to get involved in an HOA? Yeah. And that's what I would say to people. Listen, we're paying. And, and by the way, I live in Daybreak. And our HOA is what is our HOA is almost 500 bucks a month. I Jesus think. Jesus Christ. Right. Four. 488. Dude. Uh, I think it's 488 a month. Dude. And we don't get anything for that. Essentially. We have beautiful parks and green spaces. Okay, cool. Trim my bushes do the landscaping that you're supposed to do my back alley is just a weed garden right now and they don't trim it and they don't care i walked up to a landscaper last week and i said hey can you trim these bushes they're overgrown they're growing and i said to the guy look it's growing through my window not schedule not schedule call office not schedule 
That's what I get from the landscaper. And it's like, dude, they're over, like they're old, they're, the bushes are so overgrown that they're blocking part of the alley now. It's ridiculous. Anyway, there you go. I feel better. By the way, speaking of real estate prices, not that I say I told you so, but I told you so. I'm well hung and I'm good looking. I told you so. Um, uh, there is a market correction currently happening. Oh, what? So we've, we are real estate investors of sorts in that we've tried and we haven't found an equity play that we like. And so we follow the real estate market very closely. So we have been telling you that there was going to be an influx of market or influx of inventory for the spring market. There was a massive influx of inventory in the state of Utah for the spring market. Mm -hmm. The problem is we are now approaching pre-pandemic days on market. So before the period of time, sorry, Jake, before the period of time no. that you, YouTube doesn't want us to talk about. The coronavirus. They, we used to have significant, a robust real estate Yeah, market. it wasn't selling in five minutes with 150 offers. But now we've gotten to the point where there's so much inventory that is so vastly overpriced yeah, that they're not selling and they're not garnering offers. And now the National Association of Realtors put out a stat the other day on Monday, I believe it was, that requests for showings have not gone up. And what does that tell you? Everything's overpriced. So we're not selling houses anymore. We're not asking to look at your house that's for sale. So people are frankly getting on Zillow, looking at the price of your house and flipping Yep, and just going right past it. That's what I do. And it's pretty remarkable that real estate, which has been fairly bulletproof over the last hundred years, that real estate now is starting to have a correction at the consumer level, uh -oh. which has never happened before. There's never been a time where the consumer has been able to say, Nope, this is overpriced. And that's exactly what's happening because realtors and real estate professionals at the broker level and at the, the, the agent level now are having to listen to what the consumer is saying. <laughs> Shocker. Their, their feedback, the feedback of the consumer is vitally important. And I say it's about time because real estate, if you're a millennial, you cannot afford to buy a house. Nope. You can't. And the funny thing is we have a relative that's moving to Tennessee and selling in Los Angeles. Yep. And they're going to be able, based on the price of their home in Los Angeles, they should be able to pay almost all cash in Tennessee if they want. Yep. So there are certain corners of the world where you can still do that. Yeah, but, but you had to you had to you had to fall into a house to do it. And that's what happens in California. You have someone who passes away and then you inherit that house and then you inherit an opportunity. That's how general generational wealth wealth is built. Yes. Is inheritance. Yeah. And that's why there's the, you know, a big um gap in in generation generational wealth is because yeah. if you if you live, you know, below middle class, if you can't afford to buy a home, then you can't afford to pass it on when you pass away. And that's like the rich get richer, the yes. the poor get poorer. So Yes. That's just what happens. I, and I know that's what will happen with my nieces. Like, I, I hope that is what happens for you, you know, but that is the Not way that you build soon. generational wealth. It right? is. I mean, the, the, the richest people in this world generally are through attrition. The Jeff Bezoses of the world are very rare. 
The yeah. Elons of the world are very rare. It's more like the Donald Trump story where, you know, his dad was a real estate investor and seeded him to start. Like, that's generally well, how Donnie things go. Well, but Donnie started from scratch. He yeah, self-made. You know, Stop come on. It. He's not. Come on. But that's how, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's, there's, it's not a blight on you that you got an inheritance and you inherited a home. No. And I mean, we know people that have inherited three homes and hey, that's great. There's a, you better do something with it because winning the lottery doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So it that's a big deal. By the way, Spencer Morgan, good to see you, my friend. We just talked about Kyle Whittingham. Where have you been? He says, uh, love the Karen Montemayor stories. Uh, Barry says, no more Karen Montemayor stories today. Just one, Monty. Just one. And it wasn't really even a kid. The Karen Montemayor story is going to happen when I get the HOA guy on the phone. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. No, it won't. Because you can't be on the bad side of your HOA. Um, you know. It's just one of those things where generational wealth is not a blight. And I think guys like Donald Trump or Elon, Elon largely made his bit um, at SpaceX and at Tesla. And, you know, Elon obviously comes from money, but he almost lost every dime he had. He freely admits that at SpaceX, they were, they were done. They were one crash, one more, because they had crash after crash. They were one crash away from being out of business. And now they're NASA's preferred provider for, you know, moving moving rockets and astronauts. And It's fascinating what they've been able to do yeah. with the SpaceX. I know that Elon Musk, not everybody's favorite. It's controversial. Uh, you know, I know that Tesla's a question. Yeah. But what they've done with SpaceX, driving it to that point of almost not surviving. By the way. Did you guys amazing. did you guys see that Bitcoin was at twenty thousand five hundred and right now today it's down sixteen hundred? It's at twenty thousand nine sixty-three. If it goes under twenty thousand, it's a catastrophe. It is Bitcoin and crypto are teetering. If if Bitcoin falls below twenty thousand, people are tired of the BS, man. Tired of overpriced houses, tired of Bitcoin being know. a scam. Like I also think we are truly seeing like the signs of a re recession. I got an alert on my phone today that Revlon, a company that has been in business for almost, I think almost a hundred years yeah, is filing for bankruptcy protections. They do plan to keep going, but they are filing for bankruptcy. It is amazing to me that crypto is at 20 K. I, I just, it's, it's shocking. It's unfathomable. What is going on? And now we're going to get another rate hike. And you look at what's going on on the on the the and Dow. Not a small one. No, not a small one. You look at what's going on on the Dow, and you see today that you're looking at crypto, absolutely bleeding people dry. Yep. And I just I I I, I guess I'm not shocked. This is the this is the thing I almost feel guilty about this. I actually think this is an incredibly necessary period of time. Yeah. We have lived. Look at what's going on at Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. Look at what's going on in the Midwest, the Northeast, and the South with these heat waves. We are living in excess. And we continue to just blow our feet off in this world by not caring that we're living in excess. So Tesla will put $1.6 billion into Bitcoin. And they will sell you a car with Bitcoin and it's crushing by all accounts. It is crushing and suffocating Tesla. 
to the point where Elon can no longer probably afford to buy Twitter, where you're he is forcing people to return to the office at Tesla so that he can have mass layoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you understand what's going on in our world? And and a lot of people, you know what? Frankly, if you're just living la-di-da, living your life and thriving, I'm happy for you. But I'm not the guy. I, I pay attention to the news. Like for this show and the growth and scale of this show that's coming, we pay attention to the news every day. Yeah. And you watch the way that we have lived in excess for the last decade. This is... What's the right way? Darwinism, maybe, or this is natural correction. Yeah, I mean, this it's is just a... what has to happen. I mean, there's an ebb and a flow, you know, and yeah. a highs, low. I mean, it just it's what happens. I'm not rooting for anybody to fail. But guys like Elon Musk that have lived in excess, this is the correction. This is what you've brought on yourself. And whether whether we point back to 2014 in the the White House dinner, the the correspondence dinner that forced Donald Trump to run for president, or that moment in time changed the trajectory of this planet. Yeah, and I think we're now seeing the repercussions of some of these issues. Bitcoin and the the AMC to the moon, Doge to the moon, GameStop to the moon. You can't live like that. You you can't. And it it's crippling. You 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 look at what's going on with Bitcoin. It's the perfect example of just how stupid and greedy we are as humans. Yeah. And I don't I don't know where that ends. I I honestly and truly um, don't know where that ends. And I think it ends when you practice chakra, brah. Oh dear. So yes, I'm a I'm a big my my faith and my spirituality has evolved significantly over the last decade. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in universal energy. I, I just am. I feel like if you, one of the things I really enjoy doing is just stopping and listening. Like when we were down at Arches several weeks ago, I really, and it didn't happen, but I really wanted to find a place to be alone and just sit with my thoughts. I'm a big believer that that's where I find answers. Mm-hmm. That, and I'm not saying I'm praying and God's talking to me. Because I'm special and unique on my spaceship. God bless. It's not what I'm saying. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. But I do believe in, in, it was lovely. We were driving up to Yellowstone in the Tetons two weeks ago. And we stopped in, I think, just short of Jackson. And there was this big river. And like there was a, a bench next to this river. And I just sat as everybody else walked down to the river. I sat on this bench and just baked in the sun, listening to whatever I was hearing. And it's just something that I think is really important. And so yesterday I was watching videos and there was a video about this wackadoo chakra bra. And he's talking about rubbing your feet and sticking your foot up your own ass and that that's where you get I'm going to get medieval on your ass. And anal reflexology and, you know, <laughs> stuff. And apparently your foot has a lot of fiber in it and I'm totally making all this up. But this guy was basically saying, drive your feet into your groin, sit Indian style and listen to the wind. And so I was like, you know what? I'm a big believer in that. And I didn't even get to say like sitting and listening. And Brett's like, oh, Shaka's bullshit. And oh, there's no science and, you know, whatever. Because oh. the, the other guy continues with, have you ever seen white spots in your nails? It's an indication that your chakras are blocked. And I'm like, it's not a fuck. No, it's not. That is not an indication. Your chakras are not blocked. No. You don't believe in traditional Chinese medicine. Totally get that. 
But we're talking to one of the videos I was watching yesterday was about reflexology uh-huh. and the fact that foot massage and reflexology plays a vital role in blood flow in your brain. And that Joe, there was a Joe Rogan clip in this video. It was an inspirational video, frankly. Right, right. And there was a Joe Rogan clip in this video where um, Joe Rogan was talking about how he practices reflexology, I believe is what he was saying, and that it's made a difference for him in blow, blood flow and relaxation in his ability to think clearly. Mm-hmm. And he believes that that has played a role in his his mental toughness. And Mrs. Monty was like, no, total bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. Science my ass. And so I just, I'm telling you, you ought to try it. Just sit and think and be with your thoughts. I'm not saying there is, there is evidence that meditation is very good. Are you out of your goddamn mind? There are a lot of benefits. There is no scientific evidence that rubbing your feet is going to increase your blood flow and make you think clearer. How about that? Well, how do you know? I'm just saying. Do you want me to get you some some good articles that that talk about how there's no evidence there? No, not really, because okay. I, I don't want the truth. Yeah. Jeremy Bolton says you exactly. couldn't sit alone and quiet in your thoughts at Arches because of the Subarus cruising through making <laughs> I was disturbed by the motorcycles, that we were sitting there. We did find a nice place to sit, and, uh, we, and we did end up here in, like, a group of motorcycles. Yeah, I like how everyone hates on Subarus, and we got Harleys out here just riding around, yeah. you know. Totally dis and it and it uh, Yellowstone a couple weeks ago. We're we're walking up to this sulfur pond and there's a bunch of motorcycles on the road in Yellowstone, like just loud blowing Harleys. Mm-hmm. It's totally true, and I will say the one arch that was totally desolate is Corona Arch, only because it's really difficult to get to. But it's it's just it, it, I I I love that feeling of being alone. Like, I love that feeling of just being alone with the thoughts in your head. And people need to shut and just. Meditation is very good for you. Yeah. And one of the things I like to do is like the Ferguson Canyon hike. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. There's a huge rock at the, at the, you know, the point, the, yeah, not the halfway point. But when you get to the top of Ferguson Canyon, there's a huge rock that you can sit on. And there's another probably 100, 200 feet you got to go to get up to the, you know, to get up to the final climb at the top of Ferguson and just sitting on that rock and hearing the water flow. This, by the way, is the best time of year to hike in, in the canyons, in the cottonwoods, because the rivers are flowing, the streams are flowing, the birds are chirping. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is, is really sitting on that rock at the top of Ferguson's amazing. So yeah. I love that. No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, you know, body, mind, and soul spirit are keys to balance. Talking with Raphael says, Fat Jesus says, I listen to Chakra, Chaka Khan every day. Get it? See, Chakra Bra, Chaka, Chaka Khan. Right, you get I love that. the Fat Jesus humor. Chaka Khan. Love. He, Fat Jesus also says, uh, I want less jazz talk. They, uh, they bought Jake's real dad a Father's Day gift. And Tanner, I think it's Grocock. Hmm. They bought Jake's real dad. See, you know. Uh, he also says about the Audi fat Jesus says when they keep it overnight, they run it out to hookers. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. And there have been snail trails on the seats. Well, so, you know, I mean, that's something that, you know. that, that, that tends to happen. Um, <laughs> Ramiro says touching his wife's feet and sticking your tongue in her holiest of holies 
ain't even the same sport. Look for foot massage. Don't mean S. Look, <laughs> foot massages don't mean. Wow. Wow. I've I've given a, a, a woman a foot massage. Yeah. Do you know where that's from? No. The the jewels. The, oh, my God. The John, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. I, I'm giving a woman a foot massage. James Knight says, I meditate every day to a can of 4X labeled, nah. uh, label it highly <laughs> effective. Yeah, I wouldn't know because you don't send me 4X. That's cute. I remember when I had my first beer. Talking with Raphael Podcast wants to know if I got a Father's Day gift yet. Get the hell out of here, man. It's not Father's Day yet. Hmm. My gift is all the money we're putting into our significant <laughs> investments. That's my gift. By the way, what did I do for Father's Day this year? I don't know. Picked out a hike for my wife and I to go take. There you and go. what did I do? <laughs> Not, nothing. Taking you to dinner at Ruth Chris. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving up my Sunday to go hiking for seven hours straight uphill both ways. In the snow. Oh, please. There is snow up there, actually. We're going to Twin Lakes and Cottonwood. So anyway, we got to go. Yeah. We're up against the clock. Bye. Pleasure to see you. Thanks to everybody who's here. I know this show's growing a lot right now. Thank you for being here. Please give us a thumbs up if you're here watching the show. Give us a thumbs up. We really, I mean, it means the world to us. We're really trying to grow this show. And again, I would just tell you when we get to 5,000 subscribers, we're giving away a PS5 in there. We are working on some very big things for this show. So stick around for that. NBA uh, finals wrap up tonight in Boston because the Warriors are winning in six. NBA season comes to an end tonight, boys. You're going to watch Jake peel off 10 $100 bills on the show tomorrow because Andrew Wiggins is winning the MVP. Yes. Until then, say checkbook stuff. Yeah, checkbook stuff. <laughs>